Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's edition of Shots Fired. Alongside me, the usual gunslingers, Kairos Bodley and the man, the myth, the legend, Chisanga Malata. Some introduction. I don't feel I'm worthy of it, to be honest, but <laughs> some introduction. You know, we have another man, myth and legend, uh, plural actually, Dr. David Abassi joins us as my topic this week is our final role um, addition to this lineup, and that is Modestus Bukowskis. We're going to be talking about you, sir, and I hope it isn't too painful to actually um, reintroduce into the narrative, into the conversation, what actually transpired at the hands of Khalil Roundtree this uh, past weekend. I'm going to crack on really quickly because I know you, you guys have got places to go. And um, thank you again for giving up your wonderful evening to be with us. Now, I'm going to basically start things off by saying this when I saw what um, transpired this past weekend now for me Khalil Roundtree obviously like yourself was playing by the rules he was basically um, I suppose meeting out he was actually um, I suppose giving out a, a legal technique and that is an oblique kick. It looked more like a, a side kick to the knee, but you know we're, we're going to go with oblique kick because that's the common parlance that you know we've heard over the last uh, few days. Now, for yourself, Modestus, I just want to start with the kind words that you offered, and I think it was very sporting of you, very very sporting, considering what you actually sustained. You thought that your job really should have been to counter to actually guard against to actually I suppose avoid what actually happened I mean do you still stand by your words now several days away from what happened a hundred percent a hundred percent uh I mean I saw a couple of people said oh well this is the way to defend and stuff like that showing Adesanya step back and throw a kick off of that same leg but if you watch carefully the first time Khalil threw that kick, I stepped out the way. So I had already defended it one time already in the fight. So uh, again, it's a completely legal shot. In MMA, you've seen it being used by Jones all the time. This is why I thought, I thought it was quite unfair for the media to hound him and say, oh, is that legal? Is that this? Or oh, it's career-ending this, that? It's like, hey, listen, there's no part of the rule book that says you can't you can't kick the knee. Do you know what I mean? He, 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 he did a perfect... So I still 100% stand by that statement and he used it effectively. Fair play to him. Do you know what I mean? Uh, this is the fight game. You know, people are going to get hurt. Uh, you want to inflict damage on your opponent in order to win a fight. And, you know, there's plenty of other things that you can get inflicted damage. You can get kicked to the head. You can get, do you know what I mean? You can get submitted. You get People's arms have been breaking and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, you say that, you know, people say that knees are, obviously, it's, you know, career ending and stuff like that. But there's one thing I've got to say on that. It's like, listen, I'll be back. 
like don't 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 everyone worry like you know obviously i understand everyone's very uh you know conscious about money and everything i really appreciate it. so many people reach out to me it's absolutely amazing of all of them but uh you know obviously i'll be back i'll get it sorted i've got an mri booked in for tomorrow so we're we're on the uh the road to recovery but when khalil uh, through the kick that obviously inflicted the damage, I was throwing a jab. So this is one thing that people are not are not getting, which is, oh well, here's the defense. All you have to do is step back and and do you know this. But I'm like, okay, you try and do that whilst you're fully planting your leg to throw a jab, and tell me if you're going to avoid that kick. Probably not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And in fairness to Khalil, he saw that as a technical thing. I think in an interview, someone told me that he said he had been watching that I was putting a lot of weight on my lead leg. So obviously in a fight, you're, you see that as a tactical error that I was making that he looked to capitalize and he did it. So as I say, fair play to him. Uh, he, he did, he done well then. Apparently he'd been, you know, that was something that he re he watched in his fight and some of my previous fights and stuff like that. So obviously, yeah, it's, it's, it's well within the rule set. He did what he had to do. But the main thing is that I will recover and I'll be back. So, you know, I, I ended up losing the fight, losing by TKO. But it's it's not going to be a career-ending in injury for me and everything's going to be okay. So fair play to Khalil once more. Um, he, he's an upstanding guy. He came up to me afterwards in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the hallway and just said, listen, I prepared very well for you. I hope you're okay and hope you have a speedy recovery. What more can you ask for? Do you know what I mean? That is sportsmanship at its highest level. And uh, you've got to appreciate stuff like that. You're in there to hurt each other. You're in there to inflict damage. But then afterwards, we can sit there and say, do you know what? It's, we're athletes. So fair play. 100%. Just before we bring in Dr. Abassi, I just wanted to spend the next 90 seconds. And that is, we each... All three of us are going to take 30 seconds each just to give a quick, uh, well, I suppose from the hip take. And my 30 seconds starts now. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think the optics are ugly. I think the career or the potential to end somebody's career is just too high if you go in with what is basically a bad intentions kick. I think it's venomous. I think it's spiteful. And I don't like it. Chisanga Malata. Well, you took the words literally out of my mouth. Like, like as you said, the optics aren't very good and it looks very, very malicious. It, as Modestus quite rightly said, look, we're in the fight game. We, uh, the, the main cause is to, uh, to cause damage to your opponent. But I don't like it considering, like for, for me, weirdly, leg breaks and everything else, it, it doesn't look as bad for me. But when I know it's something with the knee and like we all know the trouble that people can have even just walking properly from knee injuries, it makes it a lot worse. But I'm not a fan of them whatsoever personally kairos bodley i completely disagree with both of you first and foremost <laughs> it's a fight everything thrown is malicious first and foremost yes yeah, sure if this injury occurred 10 or 20 years ago we might be looking at a career ending injury but modern medicine has evolved different techniques have improved upon time i completely tore my acl my mcl and my meniscus in college was able to come back in five months and was back like just like that just because i had a good surgeon let it go it's a kick just like you can rip someone's sentence off with a submission let the cards fall you touched on uh, medicine there. You touched on the, 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 the medic aspect of this. I'm going to turn now to Dr. Abassi. I mean, from your point of view, and let's just discuss the optics. Two of us have actually gone with that as the reason why we don't think that this is a great idea. I mean, just from your point of view, in terms of optics, how bad does that look to you? I mean, you've seen all manner of a sports injury. The second and follow-up question is, 
Okay, we talk, and this is from a layman's point of view, about it being career ending. You actually deal in this. You know exactly the ramifications of this. Is it, can it be career ending? I mean, it, it, listen, it's 2021. And, um, you know, when I, when I see an injury like this, which I see all the time, because I am a knee surgeon um, and also a ringside physician. And obviously we, we always want to see the fighters um, compete at their highest level, but always go home safe if, if possible. But, but it is the fight game. And, you know, it, it's a very slippery slope on in determining what's, what should be legal and what should be not, because there's much, uh, you know, there's a lot of other submissions or attacks that can cause, you know, more, more damage. But, you know, it, from a knee perspective, you know, when I see an injury like this, although it is, um, it's not ideal, it is, it is something that I think is fixable and something that I think that fighters can definitely come back uh, and compete at the highest levels for sure. So in terms of the, the types of injuries that you've seen though, um, just, just going back to the career ending aspect to it. I mean, that's what I'm really trying to push you on. Can it be career limiting, career ending? I mean, look, anything is possible and you can, nothing is a guarantee anytime you get injured or anytime you leave the octagon, for sure. You can never give anybody a guarantee, but I would say, you know, common things being common, a lot of fighters have come back from big knee operations, you know, having both knee ACL surgeries done or having, you know, ACL with MCL meniscus, uh, the, you know, Kairos mentioned that as well. It's something that we see very, of, uh, very often in orthopedic surgery. I'm, I'm operating on these injuries every week. And, and it is something that I would have a full expectation to come, be able to come back and return to the highest levels. Okay. I know if I was uh, Modestus Bukowska's next opponent, I know what I'll be targeting. Given the recurring theme that could actually, I suppose, transpire here, do you still stand by that? Myself. Yeah. Um, well, of course, I think, you know, you know, trying to play you know, from from a uh, strategy standpoint, I think oftentimes, you know, that other fighters will try to target that. But, um, you know, we can stabilize these knee injuries and, you know, and, and have patients feeling, you know, close to 100 percent after these. Um, so, you know, if there is, you know, any technique that can be corrected or, you know, it, it was just it literally was like a perfect timing of that, of that attack. You know, his, his full weight was on his foot. The, you know, the foot hit, hit the out, outside of the knee, all the, all the tension and um, stretch went on the inside part of the knee. That's why I was going to be very curious, Modestus, if you had had your MRI yet, and it doesn't sound like he has, but um, what that does is it stretches the inside portion of the knee. So the MCL, sometimes the medial meniscus and ACL can get injured. Um, but these are all things, again, that can get treated with surgery and have good outcomes. Okay, just before I hand over to the guys in terms of their line of questioning, I'm, again, conscious of how much time we have with you. Modestus, now you talked about, you know, the honourable things which you, you, you basically backed up that you levelled at uh, Khalil Roundtree over the weekend. And, you know, I'm not asking you to detract from that, but given the possibility that you may not fight in the octagon again. Um, do you feel like I'm sure we all do here that you should be given another chance because of the nature of the injury? I feel that I'm definitely, it's definitely worth for them to give me another shot uh, because I mean, you look at my previous fight, I think, you know, <laughs> 17 out of 18 or whatever, 
media outlets thought I won that fight. So there's one. I won the performance bonus on my first fight. Obviously, the Jimmy Croup fight didn't go my way. And then here, um, I was definitely starting to feel my way in a little bit more. And had it gone into the third round, you don't know what what you know what could have happened. So, uh, uh, and obviously, yeah, being being a knee injury like that. Um, and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, I haven't told anyone because uh, obviously <laughs> you didn't want to tell anyone before the fight, but my knee was already compromised leading into that fight. Uh. So it basically just sort of pushed it over the edge, if you will. Um, but obviously, you know, as a fighter, I mean, look at Jack Shaw. He freaking went into a fight with a <laughs> torn bicep or something. So, do you know what I mean? As a fighter, you just get on with it, you deal with it, you work around it and you try and adapt and, and, and overcome. But I definitely feel I deserve another shot. One thing that's the most disheartening, I guess you could say, is when you are not fighting to your fullest potential. Um, that is one big thing that I've lived with a lot of my life is having the potential to do things, but not able to fully, you know, exploit it and bring it out there in the fight. I felt, you know, my first fight, I did well. My, you know, my fight against Oleg Shechuk, I did, I, I did well in terms of bringing those skill sets out in this last fight. Uh, you got to give credit to uh, Khalil for managing to shut down parts of my game, which I had been working on. So that is fair play to him in terms of a strategy standpoint. And like he said, he was very well prepared for me. And I feel as well that um, just to add to all these points, I've not taken the easiest road in the UFC. I've taken some pretty tough opponents that many would not want to take. You know, they want to slowly gradually work their way up. Whereas I went straight into the deep end with some of the toughest motherfuckers out there. Do you know what I mean? And um, they have all prepared. Like what I've noticed is with me, it seems like they have prepared to the to the best ability. Like they have literally done all that they can to make sure that they they will shut me down. So I'm literally fighting the best version of every single one of those athletes. So obviously, yeah, it's been tough to fight to fight those kinds of athletes. But hey, it means that I'm stepping up my game. It means I've got to continue evolve, continue improve, continue learn. But now it gives me even more of a sense that like, I know I have the skill set to do it. All I have to do is just figure out, figure out the strategy, figure out the game plan, figure out the way to be able to let it out even better. I said that in many interviews before this last fight that I was finally able to bring out. But look, Khalil with his game plan managed to shut that down. But I bet you in the next fight, I'll be able to bring out even better and shut my opponent's uh, game plan down just from learning everything from this fight so yes 100% I feel like I deserve another chance yeah we totally agree with you there and uh without hogging the proceedings anymore I'm going to pass over to Kairos Bodley yes uh sir when it comes to your entire like medical situation from the MRIs to the surgeries are you permitted to go to whatever doctor and surgeon you want to on the UFC covers it or do they have their own professionals that they refer you to to handle everything so obviously, if I was in America, they would probably have their own particular people that they would then send me to, uh, to because obviously they'll they'll probably have the connections and stuff like that. But in London, we actually have uh, on Harley Street a set of doctors that are a bit more suited for 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 the for the UFC in order to go to 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 be able to sort out these type of injuries. I was very fortunate uh, when I had stuff looked at for myself. Um, from the UFC previously, I had particular doctors and I've, I've created a relationship with those doctors and I was able to then reach out to those doctors once again. And then it created that again, once again, that connection. And then we we're able to uh, 
you know, put them through with the UFC and then they're working together now and, and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the, the connections with, I'm talking the best doctors, the best forms of medicine and stuff like that is all available, which I'm a hundred percent blessed through the UFC. You know, had it been anything else or, you know, I don't think they provide that type of healthcare. This is why the UFC is, you know, they are the top of the top, not just in terms of competition, but in terms of taking care of their fighters. So I'm extremely grateful. But yes, they are putting me through with the best doctors to help help sort this out. And, and I can comment on that as well in, in terms of the United States. So the UFC always can recommend a fighter in terms of a cert, certain geography, geographic location. Sorry, a little thunder here in South Florida. But, but they also have the option of picking out their orthopedic surgeon. So I'm down in South Florida. Like I just said, I take care of a bunch of UFC fighters as their personal doctors. So they always have the option of picking their own surgeons for injuries such as this or other injuries. Medesh, there's one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, you, you You're pretty honest there. You were saying that you don't feel as if you've been able to bring the best version of yourself out. What What do you attribute that to? I, I mean, because obviously in, in your debut, spectacular debut, it, like although it wasn't your best performance, and well, going back and comparing in Cage Warriors and, and what have you, but I'm curious to know why you think that you've been unable, sorry, been unable to bring the best performance out. Yeah, um, there were, you know, we, we've constantly been trying to figure figure these things out, um, look at it over time and stuff like that. And yeah, in terms of skills and bringing things out and stuff like that, we've 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 made particular adjustments. But I just have to really put it down to the fact that my opponents are just preparing very well for me. You know what I mean? Uh, it just means that that side of things I need to step up even more to that sort of next level it seems as though these fighters are are bringing the absolute best version of themselves so I've, I've mentioned this before against Crook he played a completely different game that he normally plays and against me it worked absolutely amazing and he got the finish uh, with Oleg Shashuk, he had a long time off and, you know, he was then coming back, bringing again the best of himself. Khalil, exactly the same, coming off of a loss. And then you even saw afterwards, he goes, oh, if you think you saw everything there, just you wait till the next fight and stuff like that. So these guys are literally putting everything in order to bring the, bring the best version of themselves. And unfortunately for me, obviously, they've had their game plan and their strategy just that next level better than mine. So, you know, I still 100% believe there is not a skill set discrepancy because uh, I do feel I have the required skills to go out there and do well in the UFC. I just have to figure out a way to be able to sort out the, the game plan or be able to be able to adjust in the fight a little bit better. But hey, um, there'll be things that I already know from this fight that me and my dad are going to be sitting back in the drawing room, figure out, okay, what do we need to do or what we need to work on more to be able to, to adjust and, and bring a better fight? Because I have... I, I still believe it. Like, look, I, I have the skill sets. I know I can do it. Um, it's just a case of when I get in there, everything's just got to fall in place. And um, I think having a fight like this has really opened my eyes even more so. I've definitely learned so many things off every single fight. Unfortunately, having to be off of defeats. But uh, every time I have leveled up, um, and I'm going to have to level up even more. Uh, as the competition gets harder, I can only get better. So you bring in another opponent, uh, and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be the best version of myself again to, to that next level. Well, it's interesting that you reference your dad there. And um, I couldn't help but notice on social media that your flight back to the UK was somewhat delayed because of 
issues around your dad and technology. I mean, just just talk us through that. What exactly happened there? Yeah, so uh, we were all supposed to come back on Monday, uh, like in the morning. So we all we all got to, I think, yeah, it was Los Angeles. And then we got there and then there was about an hour before we had, we only had an hour's time before we had to board the flight that went to London Heathrow. And obviously we thought we had done all the required paperwork which you know we made sure at the hotel okay we've got all this sorted but then when we got to the got to the airport um they they said oh well because my dad's been fully vaccinated he's got the card which has been signed by again uh, uh, official nurses from the nhs to say that he's he's done it and uh, or sorry had been stamped by an official and uh but they said that wasn't acceptable and they said oh well you need to basically do the form again but my dad's like i'm not lying to you i've like i've been vaccinated i'm showing you the card but apparently you have to have this covid app um which again like i say technology uh, has has moved so vastly over the last couple of years and for my dad it's sort of hard to keep up and i can imagine for some people it is hard to keep up and you know i didn't know about it because obviously my situation was was different in terms of i didn't need the app because you know i still need to get the second vaccination and and stuff like that so uh yeah we were sitting there trying to log in to try and do another uh, passenger locator form which took bloody ages and then we couldn't get the right uh sign in details and it's like all within like an hour before this flight and i'm just like no one wanted to help us no one was like oh we'll just do they were just like oh well you just have to do this i'm like okay we'll show my dad how to do this i thought it was mad how no one was coming to help i have to you know as well say that one of the airline people was very helpful after i went absolutely mad it was literally five minutes before i had to leave and they're saying they're saying that i could go but my dad couldn't go so my other corners went and i i they said you can go but your dad's got to stay and i'm like well i'm not leaving my dad on his own in freaking los angeles i'm staying here i'm helping him out um i went mad obviously a little bit ballistic uh, maybe a bit too a bit too angry with the situation but the, the good thing is that guy then helped really took care of us afterwards obviously i'd put i'd apologize for piping up a bit too much but you know obviously it's like my like you know we're supposed to be leaving and now we we then had to take a flight the next day at eight in the evening so it was like literally a whole another 24 hour that we had to spend in uh in the us but look we got everything sorted we used a different email we got the passenger locator form done and everything so and then when we got home we managed to get on the nhs app and sort everything out so we got there in the end, but it was just obviously a bit of a ball ache, you know, when you've had such a stressful trip already and then it just adds insult to injury. But uh, the main thing is we got back. So, look, happy days. We, we had a good, we spent some good time together. We reflected on a lot of things. So I guess in a way it was good to have much needed father-son time also. Nice, nice. Just before we wrap up, I'm, I'm curious as to, well, one thing that's been playing in the back of my mind, um, Dr. Bassi, in terms of like the psychological ramifications of an injury like this, does it go hand in hand that um, a therapist needs to be on hand to actually, I suppose, guide the fighter through the injury? Or is that another old myth? Is that an old, um, well, some, something which, again, us, the lay people looking at this uh, injury from the outside have got wrong? Are you speaking in terms of like a physical therapist after a, a procedure? Right. So yeah, right. so right. in orthopedic right. surgery, uh, very commonly after surgery, we will require physical therapy for patients, uh, especially in, in a setting like a knee operation where it may, may or may not require a, a knee operation or reconstruction, including ligaments. So 
Typically, right after the operation, there will be physical therapy involved, you know, regaining the range of motion of the knee um, and then regaining the strength. So depending on what ligaments or what surgery is required, that will, that will affect the timeline of usually how long a, a, a patient is required to do physical therapy afterwards and how, how long it'll take before they're cleared to return to full, full sports. And psychological therapy? Psychological therapy. Listen, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of psychological therapy. You know, you spoke of, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I take care of a bunch of pro MMA fighters and, you know, I hear comments like, you know, the ones that Medes says, sometimes they say they don't, they don't feel like they were able to compete at their full potential. And sometimes we're, you know, we're not, we can't really put our finger on it. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, having access to a sports psychologist or maybe talking through that kind of stuff can really be pay really big dividends. I'm a really big fan of it. I think, it, I think it shows a lot of, you know, mental courage or, or strength to, to, if you have those, those uh, resources available to you to take advantage of them. I, I'm a really big fan of, of sports psychologists because we always want, and fighters always want it to perform to their full potential. Amazing. Dr. Abassi, Modestus, it's been incredible speaking to you both. And thank you again for, you know, lending us the time. You know, Modestus, a lot of, especially on the UK MMA uh, media circuit, a lot of outlets don't actually spend time with athletes um, after a loss. And, uh, well, you probably heard how we operate here. We, uh, we're always making trouble, but as well as that, we're, we're not uh, actually um, towing the line 100% of the time. But thank you so much for spending the time with us because, you know, I think that fighters should be able to tell their story in a win and also a loss. Yeah, 100%. I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on and, you know, wanting to hear my side of the story and, and you know, for, for me to be able to express myself and everything. Um, and, you know, I think it also helps to, to to deal with the defeat a little bit better once you sort of break it down and speak to other people about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm fully motivated. I'm going to get this knee fixed, whatever it takes, whatever I've got to do, I'm going to get back. And uh, my next performance is going to be uh, the best one ever. And look, I know now I'm sort of in a position where, you know, I've, I've been talking and saying that I feel, I've been feeling good and, you know, not, to, not necessarily performing up to scratch, but you can bet I'll be working my ass off. Uh, I'll be figuring all this stuff out. And when I go next time in the cage, it's gonna, it, it will be my best performance. So uh, yeah, I'll figure it all out. Uh, it will just take time, but uh, we'll get there. Amazing. Well, we look forward to your return and thank you again, you know, the both of you for actually your, well, I suppose your perspective has been so insightful and definitely needed. Okay, we're going to let you go and we're going to crack on with the end of the show or with the rest of the show. And, um, you know, I suppose at this juncture, we're going to collectively thank you again and uh, bid you adieu. Thanks, Jim. All right, nice one, guys. Thank you so me. much, uh, yeah. A pleasure and an honour to join you, Modestus, and um, all the best uh, with your... I hope the MRI comes back as, as good as possible. I hope it's the knee damage is minimal. I hope uh, you're, uh, sir, if you need sir, hopefully you don't even need surgery, but if you do, I hope everything goes very well. And obviously myself or any other doctors involved um, in MMA community, you know, if you, if you need any advice or anything, we're here for you and we wish you nothing but the best. Oh, mate, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being so supporting and so loving. Uh, like I say, much love to all of you. Uh, thank you a lot for everything. And uh, yeah, I uh, wish you all the best and everything that you lot are doing also, yeah? Thank you, sirs. Yes. Take care now. Nice one. Take care, guys.
Okay. And then there we is heard there. it from the horse's mouth, which I have to say, I'm so glad we got both perspectives. Yeah. It's from a medical perspective and obviously the fighter involved because we do chat a lot of shit online. And I do think a lot of it's from the perspective that one, we're not fighters, two, we're not medics. And it was good to have those perspectives. But on to, I suppose, th this Look is what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. I, I just, and that's <laughs> how I do it. We have to basically recap over what actually transpired as the event formerly known as UFC London, which was, um, well, I suppose, trans transferred to, to Vegas, yep. UFC Vegas 36. Now, bottles at the ready. We know that there were some forfeits for our little bet that we made. The bets, wow, yeah, you, you definitely need a big bottle, Kairos, because you're going to be doing a lot of drinking. So <laughs> I'm fistedly try and open my bottle of rum. Um, how about we recap on where we are in terms of what the forfeits are? Just to give those of you who haven't actually tuned in last week, <laughs> we, with our chests, collective chests, decided it would be hijinks and jolly japes to actually bet on the outcomes of UFC Vegas 36. Now, the forfeits I'm going to remind you of, and they rack up like this. We're going to start from the... Oh, my God. ...of the main card. And uh, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the card. I thought it was amazing. Considering that, you know, we did have a lot of dropout, a lot of fallout. Now, now that I filled, that's what they call that in the in, in the trade. Now that my, my bottle is at the ready. First up, Paddy Pimlet versus Luigi Vendramini. I have to say, we knew how this was going to run. We knew that, you know, Paddy Pimlet was actually, I suppose, in shock and awe fashion going to dominate, and that is exactly what he did. That this, you know, in effect, was a mini coming out party for him. I, I you know, personal um, uh, differences of opinions with regards to immigration and uh, issues pertaining to race aside, I think that was a solid performance by Paddy Pimlet, and he has definitely arrived. What do you, arrived? What do you think, gentlemen? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you you kind of glossed over the fact that he uh, he got rocked <laughs> by, by by Benjamin. You kind of if if we're if we're going to tell the story of the fight, you have to you have to put that in there. But I think yeah. if anything, that made for a, for a better debut. It showed that he can deal with some adversity. But one thing that I was really really impressed with because I haven't seen Paddy fight for for a while, and I think this vindicated his decision to turn down the UFC twice was his striking looked good. Especially mm. his kicks, the way he was throwing, throwing that lead front kick was just so effortless. To be uh, so, I think that decision was was vindicated. Um, but yeah, I mean, the you couldn't have asked for a, for a better debut for him now. And I think he's, I think he said, uh, I can't remember who it was to to. Uh, I think it was to RT. He said that he'd knock out Vendramini in the first round, and then by the end of like the following week, he'd have uh, five hundred thousand Instagram followers. He's got four hundred and seventy at the moment now. And bearing in mind, he, he only had 270 before his previous account got deleted. So that's that's some pretty crazy shit. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the baddie couldn't have done any better. Couldn't have done any better. 
Props to him. Now, I'm conscious that we, we've got a lot to rattle through before we even get to your subject. So why don't we each do like a 30-second a, a canter through um, our thoughts? Um, we've already gone already, Chisanga. So finally up to you, uh, Mr. Bodley. Well, Patty, well, I, I saw a lot of media members throwing, blowing a lot of stuff out of proportion. I heard you too, do it too, CM. Listen, he got hit. Okay, so what? Y'all are trying to play it out like this man got brutalized, like Calvin Cater versus Max Howell. It happens. It's a fight. Robert Whitaker damn near gets wobbled every fight. But do you people say his defense is suspect? His shit, it's like, all right, let it go. Like, he finished the guy, turned it back around, turned his weakness into strength. I'm impressed. I don't think he should be fighting someone top 15, but I think they should keep progressing him as they're at it. And I, I think the sky's the limit for him right now. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wasn't I wasn't saying that his mm -hmm. defense was terrible. I was just saying if we're telling the story of the fight, you have to mention the fact that he did get wobbled. And I gave him praise and I said that showed that he can go through from adversity as well. So Indeed. that's correct. You didn't say that. Jimmy Smith did. I was listening to him talk last night. So I internalized that and just thought it was you. <laughs> that's on me. That's on okay, me. Cool. it's cool. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. The forfeit here was two shots or your pick as Donald Trump. As we all picked Paddy Pimlet and picked well, no shots for anyone. So moving swiftly on. <laughs> but Esther's Bukowskis versus Khalil Roundtree. Now we've just had the man on, and I have to say, I was I was I was shocked and surprised um, how this was actually transpiring because I had my money on Modestus Bukowskis. I had my bet fully firmed in there. And that's what made me so cross about, which I see, I still see as a vindictive, malicious way of actually um, of, of winning a fight. But hey, we are where we are. I picked Modestus Bukowskis, as did Kairos. Um, actually, no, sorry. Both me and Kairos have switched our picks and that's our picture to Alex Caffidi because we got oh, yeah. wrong, which was Modestus Bukowskis. But three shots from CM as he also picked Bukowskis <laughs> and he picked his forfeit to be three shots. So, um, glass at the ready, my brother. <laughs> three shots. Some, uh, some beautiful, beautiful gin. Hendrix gin, because I don't drink any cheap shit. <laughs> that bottle looks expensive. It looks old. Uh, Hendrix gin is good. And actually... My uh, my wife's uh, her best friend, her her husband is the global ambassador for Hendrix. So we're allegedly paid to do this Hendrix for our wedding. So okay, uh, for this. three three shots. Oh my god, man! This is for, for our audio listeners, whilst whilst you're actually doing that, um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to fast forward to the next uh, pick because, like okay, I say, no, you still have your 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 um what you're bringing to the table to actually um talk about so next up alex morono you make sure that he's taking those shots because oh no i thought you were going to watch me do it i thought you were going to oh oh, oh 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 don't get me wrong i'll be watching on the playback but okay. no no no, no. I, only have, I, I don't have a shot glass but uh, this is the closest that's that's more than a shot right yeah hold on let me switch back that screen. glass looks big yeah, yeah it's i'd a, say so yeah yeah that's, that, that, that's a shot that's okay a shot. all right fucking there we go. Come on. <laughs> Knock your back, son. Uh, there you go. Two more to go. Anyway, oh, shit, this is going to get crazy. Bring up the next page, which has our picks on it. Next up, Alex Morono versus David Zawada. I have to say, shock and awe, Alex Morono. Oh, you look too bad in this. And um, I think to a lot of people who picked against him, i.e., uh, well, four shots, first of all, for you, Kairos, zero penalty for me, and 
the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Tisango actually changed his picture to Dana White yep. for I did indeed. He did it. Actually, I want to see this. So uh, I know it's no good for our audio listeners, but how many have you taken so far, um, Kairos? Zero. Oh, right. I I had my screen obscured. Okay, so come on, let's let's get on with this then. How many have you done, uh, CM? Wow. Oh, shit. My guy. My guy. Okay. For our audio listeners, he probably had about five shots in that uh, 16 glugs that he just had. Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you, I'm not afraid of you, Mike. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Your liver will be, though, by the end of this. I'm built different. <laughs> okay, so just cracking on really, really quickly. Um, the heavyweight, actually, have I missed any? Uh, but I, I feel as though, I, no, I haven't missed one. So. No. We are now at the uh, heavyweight co-main event, Tom Aspinall versus Sergei Spivak. Seven shots was the forfeit for this. Oh, I chose Aspinall. I'm not scared of that one. I know yeah, I chose the right one. For 72 hours, and there are zero penalties here. I have to say, Tom Aspinall for me, again, I know it's an old cliche, but he's a heavyweight who moves like a middleweight. He is incredibly fast, incredibly slick. He's the, fast, he's the fastest heavyweight in the UFC roster. I said this when, when he signed. I said you're not going to see a heavyweight with this, the speed and ha- in particular hand speed that uh, Tom Aspinall has. And lo and behold, it's, it's, it's transpired. I remember I was at a UFC, uh, UFC gym media day you probably didn't get the email mike because uh you ain't on the in the good books but <laughs> yeah he was uh he was hitting pads with uh with colin heron it was a uh, there was actually a media day for for darren till before he fought gaston and uh that's when darren till announced that tom had got signed by the ufc and i I'm just watching him move there and hearing like the the crispness and the power that he generates in his in his shots and short range shots as well it was it was frightening and uh, obviously I knew going into uh, go, as soon as he got signed by the UFC that he'd be a problem but after seeing it in person I was like Jesus some of these guys like especially the lower tier heavyweights and, and by no means being disrespectful I knew that they were going to be in trouble big time purely just because as you said of the speed and athleticism. And let's 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 not forget as well. He has a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt to fall on as well. So and he's not even showcased those. Oh, he has showcased that skill once against Andrei Lovsky, but uh, he hasn't really had to showcase it. If you know what I mean, Kairos. Um, I'm trying to collect my thoughts. I think that <laughs> <laughs> I have a fast metabolism. My body breaks down stuff fast, so it's my body. Okay. <laughs> he looked impressive. He looked very impressive. I think he called out like number two. I think he called out like I'm not number two. I think he called out number thirteen, Chris Dawkins. I think I don't want to see him fight that right now. I like both of them. I feel like they should just keep doing what they're doing, and then inevitably they'll meet up. I think he should go after um, number fourteen or maybe like anybody within striking range. But I just I hate when people throw in prospects and people on winning streaks yeah. so early. Let that shit build. It will be crazy when we finally see number two and number one fight, and they got eight and nine fight winning streaks that shit is underrated to see yeah no i can i completely agree with you and i think he also called out um uh who's the bulgarian uh ivanov blagoy ivanov oh, also, that's a good fight that that's that's a good fight and a testing fight because blagoy ivanov has got a chin on him yeah. do you remember the fight you uh was it 244 when he fought Derek lewis yeah it was 
Oh my god, the amount of punishment he took that night was he took shots. Yeah, he took he took well, well, d- d- he's got a hole in his chest. What did he did he get that from getting shot? Oh, I, th- I think uh, I think that might have been the story. I'll have to well, we really need stabbed. <laughs> we, we really need like you know how we said Joe Rogan needs one. We need an independent fact checker <laughs> when when we're yeah. on the podcast. But uh okay, we're moving on. I see Mike is uh is is getting his uh, shot grass filled. I'm feeling uh, a little bit left out because um, all of my forfeits, uh, I don't actually have to do because I've done them. And that was the changing my picture to Alex Cafidi. But I'm going to join my brethren in uh, a shot just before we go to the main event where I'm going to be crowing uh, for the longest while. So just bear with me. Uh. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. What do you have there? This is Casario passion fruit rum. That's Ooh. beautiful. Y'all just love Absolutely rum, huh? Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, um, 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 to the main event, Darren Till versus Derek Brunson. 10 shots will show your buttocks. Now, I went with show my buttocks because... I was convinced Nyon, it was going to be Nyon impossible for Darren Till to win this, especially when you look at the juggernaut uh, win streak that Derek Brunson was on. But not only that, just looking at it, this this was the determining factor, believe it or not. It was this one simple thing in the run up to this. Darren Till for me looked as though he checked out. Darren Till for me looked like he was more concerned with the belt than the win. Darren Till, for me, when he was talking about not asked, in almost kind of like resigned fashion of, you know, I'm not dialed in here. That's the kind of impression that made me feel, you know what, Derek Brunson, his mind is solid steel right now. And that's why I went with Derek Brunson on the strength of that attitude of Darren Till. But not only that, I think Darren Till is good, but he's not great. No, yeah, I think. Um, well, let's let's not forget, right? In his uh, two twenty eight fight with Tyron Woodley, Tyron Woodley tried to take him down and couldn't, couldn't. So that gave me confidence in uh, in him being able to to stuff the takedown. But I forgot that Derek Brunson is full on Super Saiyan Derek Brunson at this moment in time. <laughs> moment in time, he's just since moving down to Sanford MMA and uh, dying it, dying his hair blonde. He's just. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just been reinvigorated, and and I think he's another uh, he's another testament to the fact that if you keep plugging away, like the success might not come to you early in a UFC career, but if you keep plugging away, then it can come to you later on. And fair, fair play to him. And I, I really think that, well, if I was him, if I was in his position, I would sit, I would sit and wait for that title shot. Like as he said in the Octagon interview, post fight interview, he said, "I'm not broke. I can I can sit and wait." Because it's a hell of a risky fight, take fighting Jerry Jerry yeah. Kennedyer for um for for a title eliminator just to keep just to keep busy, just take the time off, and just dissect the games of uh, respective games of Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, and then yeah, just put yourself in, in the best possible position to fight both men. But as it goes, going back to Darren, um, yeah, you yeah you were confident going in going into it, Mike, but Very. you must have been a bit worried when he was tagging him with left hands early to begin with. 
No, and, not at all. Not at all. Because <laughs> okay. All right. In the third round, in the third round, you must have been. Yeah, third, third round, yes, you're right. I, I was. There was a squeaky bum moment there, and um, I thought I'd have to get the cheeks out, but I'm glad. <laughs> Here we are. Boys, you better queue up. Yeah, that's fine. I'm a man of my just, word. Just, just whilst Kairos is actually unloading his thoughts on the main event, uh, I'd queue up your 10 shots. I'm going to join in just one shot. Because <laughs> I want to keep you company here, but I ain't taking 10 shots because... No forfeit for old Mike. Uh, you're a harsh, harsh man, bro. Yeah, that's so as far as my thoughts are concerned, I, feel like <laughs> I, I realize that there's a serious similarity between Darren Till and Donald Trump. Like the, the volume just is turned the fuck off. I like I just realized that now, like not realize that now. I knew that he didn't throw a lot, but I just thought that he prioritized quality over quantity and he was looking for those. Um, openings but I really do feel like Darren Till is so keen on just finding knockout shots that he allows his analysis to paralyze him to the point where he just won't throw as much yes he opened up but it's always oh he's opening up I think that Darren Till needs to change camps or he needs to be throwing at least 100 strikes around he doesn't have to land 100 but he needs to be throwing he needs to just be throwing a lot more and he needs to fucking wrestle. He needs to learn how to defensively wrestle. There's way too many great defensive grapplers in the UFC to study and learn from for you to just be fighting like this. Yes, I'm not going to take anything away from Derek Brunson. He earned that shit. Derek Brunson is a completely different fighter from where we saw him two to three years ago. The guy has performed like admirably. And I really do think he should sit out and wait for his chance to fight for a title. And who knows if, who knows, maybe he could beat Robert Whitaker. Maybe he could beat Israel Adesanya. I'm not going to sit here and say he won't. Okay, yeah, I am. But what I will say is this though, he has come a long way and I'm proud of him. But Darren Till, you need to fight a Brad Tavares or someone who's unranked at this point because the shit ain't working for you right now. Or get a dietitian and get your lazy ass back to 170 because you're still at 185 and fucking struggling to make the fucking weight and keep a nice body versus having a dad bod. You are a fucking UFC fighter and you got a dad bod. Cut the shit out. Cut the shit out. Okay, I'm kind of conscious that we have massively overrun in terms of our recap. And uh, you guys have still not got Let's to... Let's be overrun. Oh, yeah, my get God. Damn. <laughs> I'm up. For our audio, for our audio listener, <laughs> is basically drinking a whole bottle now. I think oh, that might God. have been 15, let alone 10 shots. <laughs> <laughs> but only seems to be on one shot so far. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Get to stepping. Yeah, I'm holding whilst, up the show. Whilst you're queuing up your 10, um, I'm going to go with Kairos for what you're bringing to the table this week. Do we really care about mental health? Like, I know the MMA community has a bunch of people who don't care about anybody, but then within that group of people, we have people who do care about people. And then within those people who care about people, we have people who care about mental health. But it seems like we pick and choose who we, whose mental health we want to care about. Like me personally, I notice this with myself. When BJ Penn is obviously going through a mental crisis, I see it as crunch time, time to make jokes, time to fucking just drag him through the mud. But it's obvious he has mental issues. And if I really did care about people, I wouldn't do what I did to BJ Penn with how I do to other people. Tyron Woodley, same thing. He's obviously dealing with the psychological block with how his performances are going. Yes, sure, he's old, but it's obviously a psychological block. But yet I dragged him last week. You want to look at another thing. Um, Stephen Bonner, was it Stephen Bonner? Stephen Bonner, that's right. Stephen Bonner is dealing with a serious opiate problem with um, pain and whatever dependency he has. Me, off rip, I wanted to just fucking flame him. And right before I pressed sent on the tweet, I was like, wait a second. 
I was like, I'm fucked up. I was like, I can't do this. This is how can I say I care about these people and try and advocate for mental health awareness, but yet I'm constantly targeting people that I have reason to, but that doesn't make it right. It's still the principle, not the person. And the whole time I was focused on the person, not the principle. Same thing with um, who was the other person that <sighs> Maria Agapova. She's been dealing with some serious, crazy substance abuse. Same thing, same thing, same thing. I don't need to keep going on with case-by-case -case basis, but the net result is still the same. Do you think most people who claim to care about mental health and the wellness of these athletes truly do care about it? Or is it just when it's a fighter that I like or when it's a fighter that I don't hate, that's when I start to care. As I said before, me personally, I noticed that it's a person that if I don't care about, like in a negative way, I'll definitely care. And I need to change that. I need to correct that and I need to rectify that. I'm wrong for that. But what do you guys think about yourselves? Let's go with CM is still struggling with them shots. We're going with uh, Dr. Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> He's struggling you, with them shots. You're not even on <laughs> this, I've done three. I've done Look three. Look at his face. Look at his face. I've done three. He's right, struggling. Right. I saw moving the moving on to number four. Moving on to number four. All right. Give me just Dr. Give me Mulata. Your father would not be proud. He's like, my son's poisoning his liver right now. How dare you do that to his body? <laughs> do you know, speak, speaking of my father, he's never drunk a drop of alcohol in his what? life. Because never. he has sense. <laughs> he has no sense. way. Yeah. No, no, also, also in Zambia, there's a big, big like drinking culture. Like it's very, very people drink it to excess over there. And I think wow. that put him off from a young age. Okay, this is number four, people, right? Can yeah, I, can I, whilst, whilst you're doing that, I'm going to jump in then and I'll answer Kairos' question. Uh, to answer your, your question, Kairos, I don't believe people understand about mental health. I, I do feel like they care, but they don't understand. And a lot of that has to do with stigma. A lot of that has to do with a misunderstanding of how it actually is quite a different <coughs> um, aspect of, of the sport. But I think also, let's just cut to the chase here. Shit. People don't care about athletes when they are on the mend or when they have ill health or when they have an injury because what they want to tune in for are those knockouts, are those subs. So yes, in one sense, they care about fighters' mental health, yeah. but only when it doesn't get in the way of the knockouts and the subs. Okay. All right. I, I need to go get another thing because I'm finished. That's five. So I do, do five more. Five more. Good. That's what we're talking about, man. You yeah. got to straighten up. I'm out showing you right now. Like, you got to do what you got to do. do uh, wow. That's how you guys are going to UFC 268? No, oh, you don't. Oh, no, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Are y'all going to 268 or no? Uh, uh, on my couch, I will be. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I'm not obviously. I'm not going as a media member because it's my first event and I want to enjoy it. But next, if you can get me a shot at being a media member for the next one, I will catch a fucking flight. I'm not playing with you. Put it this way: I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. As you know, in the group chat, this has been floated. But you're right. I mean, if you are actually going to such a phenomenal event, go as a fan. Go and enjoy that shit because yeah. you're going to be working really hard as a media member. And what a, a lot of the shenanigans that you're going to be getting up to at the event, you're not going to be able to do as a media member. So you chose the right path, son. You chose the right, yeah. um, I suppose, approach to it. Not only that, really and truly, I mean, it has been a hell of a year. It's time for you to put your feet up, my brother. Mm -hmm. Gina, Gina told me though, like I, my, 
my interpretation of what you guys did was definitely underestimated. Like I thought, okay, great. It's a two to three hour block. You guys show up and you do this. And she's like, no, you got to set up hours before because you yeah. know, who's going to show up. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. I didn't know it was that like, I didn't know it was that crazy. And it's, it, like, I see people who, who don't take it seriously and fumble like that one dude who was asking fucking questions to Matt Mitrione that just was like, bro, what? And you see people fumbling, you see people yeah. failing, you see people yeah. not putting out the quality Ooh. that they want. And I understand like now that it's a lot more serious than you think. Like I obviously have arrogance towards me because I'm like, okay, I know what the quality that I can bring, but yeah. that shattered that really quick. I was like, okay, okay, maybe I should just enjoy this one, learn from everyone's mistakes and then try for the next opportunity and then like put together something that's quality. 100%, like I said, I'm gonna hold you to that. But where are we on the shots now? It's number so six and we are now drinking. You gotta, yo, down the bottle, down no, the bottle. No, 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 Kyrus, no, no, no. Are you scared? You're a grown man with a wife. You should have no fear. No fear. Drink it right now. She was judging me. She was like, why are you drinking shots over Zoom? I was like, I've got to pay the price. I got I'm going to grab the camera right now. I'm going to grab the Drink it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kairos, my black ass, my black ass is too old to, to know not to, to drink it just straight like that. I've got four okay. more in, in, in between, I'll space them out. I'll space them out, right? In, in between those shots, over to you, Chisanga Malata. Mental health and athletes, I think, is the core at the core of Kairos's question. Unless you want him to repeat it because you are so fucked up. Uh, I'm, I'm all right, to, to be honest. I don't think I will be by the end of the day, but I'm good. Um, do we care about mental health? I think I'd say the majority of the community does, but we're just now in this social media age where people immediately when people try something and fail that the people look to mock or look to find a way how they can garner likes or, or what have you and kind of profit off off of um off of fighters or like sports athletes or, or whoever's downfall but i'd say I'd, i mean kairos mentioned himself that he said that um it was stefan bonner you mentioned you said that your yep. first instinct was to what you call it but yeah, yeah. Obviously, you thought of that because you're 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 a creator as as a sense, and you're an entertainer on, on Twitter you're in in a sense as well. But the fact that you you didn't just you didn't just fire from the clip and you you held back and you thought, right, I, I actually can't do this. That shows that you do have a conscience when it does come to that. And I'd like to think a lot of people do, but the way some people talk talk shit on, uh, on in particular an MMA tour, you don't really get this in other sports. You don't get this in soccer or. I, I say soccer for Kairos' sake. You don't get this in football. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the majority of the, of the community does. But I, what, I also have to, what I also have to remember is that a lot of people who are interacting with online might be 13, 14-year-old boys. Do you know what I mean? Who are just, yeah, yeah and they're, they're just saying all this shit and mocking people and, and what have you and not realizing the potential ramifications and which in a few years they might feel when people are doing the same thing to them. So I'd say as a community, yes, we, we do care because when it comes to issues like Stefan Bonner, I didn't see anybody mocking him yesterday. I just saw everybody was concerned and everybody was just like, look, he's, he's clearly exhibiting signs of CTE and he needs some sort of help. But uh yeah, and it, it was a sad one. I don't know. I don't. I know. I sent the the videos to to you in the to us in the group chat. I don't know if you watched the full one where you're having the standoff with the yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's 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 really rough, and you can just tell from 
even if he was doing that aggressively and what have you, you could tell that, yes, this man needs help, but it was the tone in his voice. That's what really struck a chord and struck, struck home for me because this is somebody that, I mean, helped put the, the industry and, and to a certain extent, the sport on the map. I mean, like people forget about the impact of that fight uh, with uh, Forrest Griffin and uh, Tufts, uh, yeah, it was tough one, a tough finale of one. People forget about the impact of that. And yeah, it's just sad to see um, somebody that has ultimately contributed a lot to the sport in the current situation like they're in, like with BJ Penn. But at this moment in time, I know we, well, we, we're not privy to what, everything that's going on in Hawaii or whatever, but BJ Penn seems to be in a, in a lot better place. I don't know if you've noticed, maybe it's him or maybe it's the social media team is posting a lot more on social media and stuff about uh, that. But Anyway, I'd like to. I've, I've gone off on a tangent. I like to. I'd like to think that we do care as a whole, but at the same time, I think, yeah, I, I think some people can just be assholes, and some people just pick and choose. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's a shame. It's a shame, but it's just how it is. And while you finish your shots, let me rebuttal to that. Let me rebuttal. I really do think people want to pick and choose, and by people, I'm included. I'm not trying to sit here and be holier than thou. I pick and choose. And it was because of this. I, that's why I wanted to bring this to the table because I was like, it was one of those awareness moments. You're like, I'm the motherfuckers that I talk about. I think, right. I think the, the most of the people who consider themselves to be like um, mental health awareness advocates are a lot of the time, the people who are hypocritical about this shit. Yeah. Um, imagine if Conor McGregor did some shit. You don't think he suffered some severe mental issues regarding with how he had to deal with going from straight up as receiving welfare to being in a top tax bracket to being take to taking head trauma. I'm not trying to excuse what he's doing. I understand people are thinking that right now. I'm not trying to excuse what he's done and what he's been accused of. But what I am trying to say is this, you and me have held him to the fucking fire iron for everything that he's done. And very suddenly you take into account what he's been going through mentally. Same as how a lot of athletes in the UFC, how we've done that for. Like, look at fucking Tito Ortiz. Look at the damage that Tito Ortiz has done. Every time Tito Ortiz comes on the fucking Twitter sphere, I'm like, this dude's about to say some dumb shit. And not once, not once do I think this guy has gone through some tough stuff, some tough battles, yeah. some tough, but like, but it's, that's the reality of the thing. That's the reality of this sport. There's a lot of stuff that we haven't researched, a lot of stuff that we're set out, that we haven't set out to learn. And I think that it's just the people who say that they care the most don't always know the most. And I feel like that's the detriment of like caring. And, and the people who act holier than thou, <laughs> I'm, yeah. bringing, I'm bringing this back to a certain to a certain incident, often aren't the holiest than thou people. And I'm, I'm not gonna- Don't be coward, say her name. <laughs> we already put our profile up, say her name. <laughs> nah, say she's her gonna appear name. like Candyman. She's gonna appear like I, Candyman. I'm I gonna say her fucking name, Alex, keep it. First of all, fuck you, fuck you, fuck your family, fuck you, no, let me stop, but fuck you. <laughs> Are you drunk? <laughs> no. Nah, bro, we're good. We're good here. We're all good. Okay. No, I'm not so rolling along to Chisanga Malata. What are you bring to the table, my brother? You know what? I actually came on without a, a topic. I don't know. What... <laughs> I, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I came up without a topic. Nice what point. are you doing? No, I came up without a topic. I just, I just, I just planned to, 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 to spitball and, and, and freeball. And okay. Just, uh, yeah. How many shots have you had, brother? This is going to be my eighth. I've got two more. <laughs> I respect it. I respect and, it. Uh, just as I, just as I get going to get the, the bottle of gin, the uh, blood orange, blood orange gin, beautiful gin. My wife is like, do you really need to be drinking on Zoom on the Tuesday? And 
I'm on holiday, so I'm at, yeah, I've got a week's holiday, so I'm treating it like a holiday, you know, right? So I can't go anywhere, so I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy myself. All is good. <laughs> but you, uh, you, know, you know that you told us this earlier, right? <laughs> but that's what I was saying. I was like, you told us this earlier. <laughs> you told us this earlier. Ah, uh, you're telling us now. He's drunk. You call him Mike. He's drunk. No, 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 no. All's all's good. All's good. I'm just checking. I'm just checking your memories. See, then, yeah, just checking your memories. All's mm-hmm. good. All right, okay. let, me, let me do my eighth. No, no, no. Let's 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 talk a bit more. Let's talk a bit, like, because we we can't sign off. Well, one, I have to finish the remaining three shots anyway. True. Uh, any pressing issues that we need to talk about in the mixed martial arts world? I know, obviously, we talked about the card beforehand, and Kairos talked about a good subject, which I don't think actually gets enough coverage in in MMA media, mental health. And you raised a good point there, Kairos, when you talked about uh, when you talked about Conor McGregor, how we hold him to to the flame. But the let's not forget the MMA community has also eulogized this man for his achievements as well. And yes, yeah, and I think yeah. <sighs> I think now, uh, if you're critical of uh, of Connor, or if, or if you're critical of, of anyone, but I think it's more prevalent when you're critical of Connor, you're accused of uh, of having an agenda against mm-hmm. him, and that's that's by far that well, I'm, I'm accused of having an agenda against him, and I just say to people, look, I've eulogized this man for all his all his achievements that need plaudits and needs needs praise for it, but. When the time comes to to call somebody out on what they've done wrong or what what have you, you have to do it because otherwise, and this goes back to a conversation that we've had numerous times. You become an extension of their PR team, which yeah, which we're not right. We're meant to be. Well, I've, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a journalist first and foremost. I'm I'm not paid to give free publicity for someone and say, oh well, it, well yeah, you get the point that I'm trying to make. But in fact, let me just have a scroll. Look, let's let's fire. Let's do a random, like, uh, what's the gun that has six chambers? A revolver. A revolver spin. A revolver spin on Twitter and see what people are saying on MMA Twitter. And then we can make that into a segment. Okay. It's it's a good idea, right? I'm down down to try it. If you're drunk, yeah. (laughs) Mike, let him live, bro. His father is a doctor. Show some respect, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Let me stop. All right, that's number eight. Episode that's number ever. That's, you, that's why I drank them all in one sitting. If you keep dragging it, I feel like it makes it worse if you just keep dragging it. I get it what you're saying. Order. I get what you're saying. But at the same time, nah, patience. Like, it's, that's fine. I'm, at my you big age, I cannot be downing bottles of, 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 of gin. Nah. You know more wow. than me. I'm not going to. Oh, what like number are we on, by the way? Oh, for me, I'm on eight. This is eight. eight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, kill you. <laughs> right, well, why uh, he does that i think my response to what you said is this though i int- i was looking introspectively when i was um when i was getting ready to tweet this about stefan bonner and obviously i'm not going to sit here and act like i'm not a flawed individual because i am but i do think that a lot of mma fans who who try to do the right thing and they're not wrong they're not a bad they're not bad people but i do think that a lot of people who try to do the right thing Mm-hmm. oftentimes allow bias to cloud their judgment. Like when Travis Brown was saying, the UFC pays our fighters very well. You don't think that motherfucker is taking a lot of CTE? You don't think he's taking a lot of brain damage? Yeah. But at the, at the second that he advocated that the UFC was doing a great job with fighter pay, which to be honest, 
not accurate whatsoever. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that, though. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, not accurate. But they jumped down his fucking throat. And not for a second do you do I think that I saw a single person. No, I feel confident saying this. I didn't see a single fucking person saying, you guys, have you looked at his MMA career? Have you looked at the damage that he sustained? Mm. No one, No one thought about that. And like I said, I'm one of those people too. So don't think that I'm like pointing the finger at the people who are holding people accountable. I am pointing the finger at myself and I'm just looking at what I see. That's all. No, that's a, that's fair enough. But yeah, as as you said, I think I think it was uh, I think it was Bloody Elbow the, the story that I saw it and of when when Bloody Elbow tweet anything that's um, that uh, yeah it, it, with a, with, has an iota of criticism towards mm-hmm. you, it, it gets a shit ton of comments. I guess and yeah, like I, I saw some of the comments on the story and people were just going in on on Travis and nobody, as you said. Nobody was, was playing devil's advocate and was being like, oh, okay, well, he could have formulated this opinion because of uh, extenuating circumstances, extenuating circumstances being CTE that he's had or what have you. But yeah. I, I saw a lot of comments where people were like, well, you're just, you're just, uh, you're just living off the money your wife made anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. That's probably true. But like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it might be true. It might be, it might be true. But that <laughs> but. Okay, that might be true to a certain extent, and I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure maybe it is. Maybe it's seventy thirty. I I don't know, but that shouldn't stop him from having that uh, from that shouldn't stop him from being able to express his opinion. And and, and if he believes that UFC pay well, which I I, I don't personally, but it, he should be allowed yeah. to say that. He should be allowed to to state that. But yeah, to to them like to like <laughs> to bring up his the fact that his wife has been more successful than he ever has. I think that's just Again, it goes back to people not caring about the potential mental health ramifications. People are just firing from the clip and just being like, I know it's a very, very archaic way of thinking, but it's still prevalent to this day that the man should be the breadwinner and the man should be the provider and what have you. And we don't know how Travis is feeling about that. And like, obviously, Ronda's been the one that's done. Did you do two Fast and Furious movies or what have you? Or I, I don't I don't know one okay but she's been the, the she's a multi multi-millionaire of, uh, of of the two and yeah I'm sure at some point moment in his life he's thought well this is pretty shit the fact that my wife is the provider and what have you but again nobody thinks about that nobody thinks about that whatsoever which I think yeah people need to think before they tweet and I know we as a podcast we just say it say it as it is and we we fire from the clip but I, I think we well we personally do do that we we don't we, we don't say anything malicious and we don't say what's the what's the turn of phrase I'm looking for and we're wary of the potential ramifications of what is going to be said but that's you, know, you, just, you just I think for me you hit upon a theme and and then and the topic that we can round this out on you know the premise of shots fired is no holds barred discussion. Um, no holds barred ideas, no holds barred opinions. But a lot of people do actually, I suppose, rally against that as a default position on Twitter. Are we saying then that, you know, we are against the no hold barred, um, I suppose, giving of, of, of opinions here? Because that strikes me as kind of like odd given the premise of the show. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't mean like we're, we're against it, no holes barred, but I mean, 
we'll say what we'll say, but there'll there'll be there'll be an understanding of the potential rep, like aspects of it, like ramifications. Say for say if you're going to talk mad shit about Tyron Woodley or, or, or what have you, but your understanding of the fact that okay, Tyron might see this, Tyron might think lesser of himself or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But I maybe I phrased it incorrectly because of my my buzz state, and I just finished my ninth shot, people. Not shot within the game, man. You're no, you're right. You're on point. You're on yeah. point. But uh, yeah. What do you think, Travis? <laughs> no, he's that's literally what I did. I last week I was like, "Fuck Tyron Woodley." I'm not a fan of him anymore. I've been following him for so long. This that, and third, and at no point during my crusade against Tyron Woodley and his silence against treatment towards MMA fighters, towards black people, towards et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that I ever consider his mental health. And myself, I try and pretend that I am an advocate for mental health. Maybe I'm hard on myself, but I do. I, in my mind, I think that I advocate for it. But then when I look back at what I do, I'm like, those actions don't reciprocate the actions of someone who cares about someone's mental health. Let's let someone who I don't like do some shit that I don't like. Like let, um, who's that one girl who's, doesn't matter. Let someone who I don't care about or have like an emotional attachment do something. I'm going to rip them a new one, mm. but let someone that I might enjoy a lot. Like I'm mad. I won't go down there. <laughs> Imagine someone I do like though, do that. I really am questioning myself as to whether or not I would hold them to the same standard that I hold other people to, or would I just remain silent? Which I think remaining silent is the worst possible scenario out of those. You could either gotta, you gotta sit on one or the other side. You cannot remain silent. But I think that I would remain silent for some no, people. But to be fair, to be fair to your defense, you are more of a content creator and um, yeah, sort of mad traction that you would get kind of that lends itself when you put your whole personality into it. And I can't imagine you putting your whole personality energy and kind of gusto into something that you weren't really into. I just can't see it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't even tackle the topic. I probably would just go into something else and be like, all right, this is dope. Let me put my energy into it. And also, but also like, dope. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no. you there. But also, when you're putting out content out there, there's no personal agenda and it's not a personal attack on, say, you know, we, we'll go back to Tyron Woodley. There's no personal attack on Tyron Woodley. You're not saying Tyron Woodley is... Uh, is is, is a deadbeat person or what have you, you're, you're, you're ostentatiously presenting the fact that in his last few fights, his volume has been very poor or, or there's been a lack of volume and there's been a lack of killer instinct. I, I wouldn't say that the, um, that, that there's anything wrong with it. That's just your delivery. And I, I think that's, that, that's what drew me to you before, because I remember the first time and I was about to drop the end board there, but I was like, who is this? <laughs> I was about to drop the N word there. I was going to say, who the hell is this guy on? Uh, and you could substitute the N word for guy, obviously. Um, Making being loud and ostentatious on Twitter, and that—that's that's what one of the things that drew me to you. And like, I saw you had an infectious personality, but like, and subsequently with all your work, it's not a personal attack. I think I think it would be different if you're taking shots at time would lead the man. If you mm-hmm. get in, in that yeah. in that sort of way, rather than yeah. stuff that is that okay. should be on the discussion table, like his lack of volume and how he actually performed against Jake. If you get what I'm trying to say. I no, I hear exactly where you're coming from. You know, I think as we have hit the one hour and 20 mark 
And uh, we are coming up to our final shot from Chisanga Malata. It's about time that we actually close down this week's episode by saying, you know, thank you again to our incredible guests. Thank you again, gentlemen. Kairos Bodley and Chisanga Malata, you have been good sports. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I, 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 my only regret is that I didn't drink as much as you guys because we're going to throw up. <laughs> I'm really about to throw up right now. We, we ain't never doing this shit again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm literally about to throw up right now into this bag. I'm not playing with you guys right now. Uh, do not throw up. <laughs> wow. Bruh. And that is why, Kairos, and, and let, the, let the audio listeners know, that is why you pace yourself when you have a lot of shots to do. <laughs> Speaking oh, of yeah. shots, we're done. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves. Peace and love, people. Oh, Kairos. <laughs> Kairos. Are you seriously about to throw